The scripture passage for today is the first five verses of the 16th chapter of Acts, but I think it's important that you know the backstory before we get to the scripture. What has happened in chapter 15 is that the Jerusalem Council has gathered to decide about what to do with the Gentile converts. And basically what the, what the Jerusalem Council decides is no needful circumcision, no needless offense. That is to say, the Gentile converts don't have to be circumcised, but please refrain from eating the meat that's been sacrificed to idols. So the Jerusalem Council, under James's leadership, the brother of Jesus, sends a group to Antioch, another big city in first century Palestine. And they send this group with the news of what they've decided about the Gentiles. Now, Judas and Silas carry the letter and they travel with Paul and Barnabas. While Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, Paul discerns that he and Barnabas should revisit the churches from his first journey. Barnabas would like to take John Mark, his cousin, with them. But Paul says, no way, we're not taking John Mark with us because John Mark deserted us on the first tour. So the scripture says there was a strong disagreement and they split. What I like about the end of chapter 15 is that it reminds me that the early church leaders were very human. You know, it is rather fashionable these days to pine for the early church. Oh, if only we, the modern church, could be more like the first century church. Well, the passage at the end of chapter 15 reminds me that we're not very far off. Here are these first five verses from chapter 16. So Paul went on also to Derbe and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in their numbers daily. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ah, the addition of Timothy to the first century ministry team, it's an important one. Timothy travels with Paul for most of his journey, In several of Paul's letters, he mentions, he refers to Timothy, and two of the letters that we have recorded in our New Testament are addressed specifically to Timothy. Most scholars would say that Timothy was with Paul for about 17 years, and we recognize in the New Testament that Timothy stayed connected to Paul at a time that would have been quite dangerous for his own physical safety. That was the time that Paul was imprisoned. In Rome, Eusebius, who is a 4th century uh, historian, wrote that Timothy was appointed the first bishop of Ephesus and that later on, maybe 30 years after Paul was imprisoned in Rome, Timothy himself was martyred. So he was an important leader in the early church. But I would submit to you this morning that he didn't start out that way. Now, if we were to scan the leaders of the first century church, it would be easy to see why so many of them were there, why those leaders were there. Take, for instance, Paul. Paul is an enthusiastic 
uh, teacher of the law. When he writes about himself, he does not say, I was a Jew. He says, I am a Jew, an enthusiastic, passionate teacher of Torah. Barnabas, it's a nickname, which means son of encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager, and we first learn of him when he comes to the Jerusalem council with um, money that he has made off of selling his own property, and he donates that money to be given to the needy. He's an easy hire. Or how about John, referred to as the beloved disciple? Let's take him. Or Peter, the rock. Or James, Jesus' brother. All easy hires, but not so much Timothy. Ray Vanderlyn teaches that Timothy was what was referred to in the first century a mumser. And a mumser is a child of an improper marriage. So when the scripture tells us that Timothy's mother was Jewish and a believer, but Timothy's father was Greek, that's an improper marriage. In fact, it doesn't matter if they were married or not. Uh, either way, married, not married, it's an improper union. And Deuteronomy 23 says this, The child of an improper marriage shall not be permitted into the Lord's assembly for ten generations. So, it is feasible, probably happened, that when Timothy was born, his mother, a good Jewish woman, would take him to the rabbi to be circumcised. But the rabbi would say, no, I can't touch that child. You know I can't, Eunice. He's a mumser. It is probable that Timothy, being raised by a Jewish woman, would go to the synagogue to hear the teachings. But he wouldn't be allowed inside. He would never have been allowed to be a disciple, to follow a rabbi. He would never have been allowed to marry a Jewish woman, only another mumser. And so I would tell you this morning that Timothy is an unlikely candidate, maybe the most unlikely candidate, to be Paul's traveling companion. I wonder how Timothy learned the scripture. Maybe Timothy learned the scripture from his mother and his grandmother because when Paul writes to Timothy in the second letter of Timothy, he remembers to be thankful for Eunice and for Lois, Timothy's mother and grandmother who had passed on to him a sincere faith. So maybe he learned some of the scripture, some of the stories of the faith from his mother and grandmother. I like to picture Timothy sitting just outside the synagogue, either on the steps, the doorsteps to the synagogue, or outside the window, just sitting and listening and taking it all in. You know, when I considered this congregation this week, it was easy for me to picture many of you as leaders of the first century church, because we, we have many beloved disciples. There are many here. There are several here who are solid rocks. There are some Marys. There are many Marthas. I know you. I recognize you. I am one. There are a sprinkling of Pauls. We really don't want too many of those. But where are the Timothys? Where are the Timothys? They're hard to spot. I went to the beach this week with my family. We went to Port Aransas, all 19 of us. 
10 children in that group. And so each morning we would go down to the beach so that the children could play in the water and the adults would sit there in the sand. One morning we went down to the beach and the children picked up the boogie boards and headed for the water. And the adults sat for several minutes before one of the adults said, Hey, Dinah, where's Daniel? That's my five-year-old. I scanned the horizon quickly, could not see his red surf shirt. All the adults jumped up to head towards the water when my sister said, Dinah, he's over there, way to the left. (laughs) The tide had carried him far north on his boogie board, so she went out to get him and she brought him back. And when she got him back to me, I said, Daniel, I was so worried. I could not see you. And Daniel said to me, but I could see you, Mom. I was watching you the whole time. It's the Timothy principle, I think. Timothy is hard to spot, but Timothy sees us. I wonder, I would suspect, that Timothy sits right outside of our church. That it's hard for Timothy to get in here because Timothy is burdened by labels that others have put on him or her. Burdened by sin, and it's just hard to get through the doors. But Timothy listens, Timothy watches, Timothy observes. Maybe Timothy is looking at us on our website. Maybe Timothy's on the city with us. Or maybe Timothy is somebody that we just encounter, several of us, in the community or at work. But Timothy's out there, and Timothy sees us. One of the things that really troubled me about this passage this week is that it appears to me that Paul goes against the Jerusalem Council. You know, the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15 says, no needful circumcision for the Gentile converts. And then here we have Paul traveling, and it's as if the first Gentile he comes across, he has him circumcised. Well, I've come to settle on the fact this week that I think for Timothy, this was an issue of honor. That the dishonor that was placed on him by his parents' mistakes, the label that was put on him, Paul wanted removed. And Paul wanted a new label put on him. Faithful disciple. Child of God. You know, when Paul writes to the Christians in Rome, he says circumcision is a matter of the heart. It's spiritual. And I definitely see how that's the case for Timothy. This was a restoration, a bringing in for Timothy. It was saying to Timothy, you belong here. You belong as a faithful child of God. Now, I can see two ways that Timothy is encouraged in these five verses of Scripture, encouraged to take on leadership and and take on ministry of his own. The first way that Timothy is encouraged is by the community that Paul finds him in. Paul finds him in a community of believers, and the believers heartily endorse him. They say, Timothy is a good guy. The second way that Timothy is encouraged is that Paul takes Timothy with him. Paul says, come and journey with me. Stick with me. Now, I've taken two trips this summer, and I want to tell you a bit about both of those trips. The first trip was one that I took with my daughters to Beaver Creek, Colorado. 
We went to Beaver Creek, Colorado. Oh, it was beautiful. Those mountains are gorgeous. And the food was wonderful. And the accommodations were wonderful. And the girls took music classes. And at the end of the week, all of the children who participated in those music classes took part in a recital, and the adults sat and listened through those recitals, and every child that played, we gave a round of applause. We encouraged, keep up the good work. That was a good trip. The second trip that I went on was with the New Zion Youth Choir. We left right here out of the church parking lot on a bus. We traveled to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We slept on the floors of the churches that we stayed in. We showered in those churches. The work that we did was sweaty, dirty, thankless work. But we got to know each other really well. It was, we knew the good, bad, and the ugly about each other. Now, if a child from either one of those trips, good trips, both good trips, both trips that a Christian could take, but one I think is more Paul's way. If a child from either one of those trips were to ask me for a letter of recommendation, well, a child from the first trip, I could say, good job, keep up the good work. But a child from the second trip, I could say, now that's the kid I know. (laughs) That is a kid whose strengths I know. That is a kid whose gifts I know. That is a child that's not defined by their mistakes or by the sin that's been placed on them, or the sin that they've taken on. But that is a child that is defined by the hope that God has for them. That is a child of God. When Paul wrote to the Galatians in the third chapter, when he's really getting revved up writing to this church in Galatia, he says, In Christ Jesus, you are a child of God through faith. There is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. You belong to Christ. You are an heir to the promise. Now, I wonder if that's what Paul had in mind when he wrote to Timothy. I think it might have been. Because when Paul wrote to Timothy, he addressed those letters not to my traveling companion or not to my good friend, But Paul addressed those letters to my beloved child. When Paul took on Timothy, Paul took on a son in the faith. Paul wanted Timothy to know that he was a beloved child, that he was not a mumser, that he was not an orphan, but that he was loved and he belonged. Some of us, Some of us are born to our mentors in the faith. A few of us. Lucky ones, I would say. But others of us have to find that mentor in the faith. We have to find that person that teaches us what it means to belong. And so I ask you this morning, who's your Paul? Who did you follow to this place in life? At some point today, say a prayer of thanks for that person. But maybe the more important question... It's who's your Timothy? What, you don't see him? Well, I can guarantee you, he sees you.